The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. All right, well, hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? You wondering why there's a ladder up here? I'm gonna change that projector ball real quick. No, just kidding. Um, uh, we are in between our studies right now. So if this is your first time with us, you came on Great Sunday, but we finished the book of Ezra last week. Uh, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah go together, so we're starting the book of Nehemiah next week, so we just kind of have a gap week here. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, okay, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. Beautiful little segment of scripture within the Sermon on the Mount. So probably Jesus' most famous sermon, he gives the beginning of his ministry, he sits down in front of his disciples and a gathered crowd of individuals and he begins to teach about literally everything, okay? Jesus was revered as a rabbi in the first century, a teacher. And every rabbi had what was called their yoke, okay? The yoke was their explanation of how to live out the word of God. So it was application, okay? The word of God says this, but as a teacher, as a rabbi, here's how I say you should live it out, And really, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' yoke, his how-to. We won't get to these verses today, but it's, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say, don't even get angry. That's his yoke. That's his application. You've heard it said in the Word, don't do this, but here's what I say. You've heard it said, don't do this. So the first section of the Sermon on the Mount is referred to as the Beatitudes, okay? Eight characteristics that one should live out if they want to live like God and look like God. If you want to do that, you should have these characteristics in your life. Behind me is an eight-rung ladder, okay? Because I believe with everything in me that Jesus is intentionally teaching in a perfect way, that you cannot go to step two, three, four, five, eight until you one, two, three, four are dealt with. First four more of the heart, last four, four are more applicational, but once again, you really can't advance until you have the foundation in place. Before I pray, this ladder does not get you to God, okay? We serve a God who came to us, all right? So like, this is not about climbing your way up to God. This isn't about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and being holy and all these things. That's not what it is. Think of it more like this. Think of it more as a step-by-step instructional guide, okay? If you've put together something that has step-by-step instructions, right? You dump out the box. You've got it all right there. If you're a person who doesn't like order or structure, you can flip open the manual to step three if you wanted to and begin right there. You could put step three together. You could open up to step five. You could do that. But here's the deal. You're never going to complete the project unless at some point you go back and get step one. Step one, step two. You have to do them all to complete the project. If the project is to look more like God, if the project is to live more as God has us, our desires for us to live, that's what this is, okay? So we're going to have a ladder. Once again, this isn't how you earn your way to God. This is just a visual demonstration of what I think Jesus is trying to explain in the Beatitudes. Let us pray, and then we will jump into Matthew chapter 5. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son Jesus and his amazing teachings. May we not only hear what he is going to teach us today through your word, but Lord, may we do it. May we 
actively apply it to our life. This is your application portion of scripture. So God, may we be doers of the word. Come and speak to us now through your Holy Spirit. It's your name we pray. Amen. So the first step way down here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It all begins here. And we need to understand what it is to be poor in spirit because it says that theirs, those who are poor in spirit, they will see the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Make note, okay? It's not going to come up on the screen. Verse 10 is the end of the Beatitudes. Okay, so this is verse 3. Verse 10 and verse 3 have the same blessing. So the beginning and the end, same blessing. Okay, the kingdom of heaven, realization of the kingdom of heaven, possession of the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Very simple. You are spiritually bankrupt. Left on your own, there is no hope. Why? Because we're sinful. Trace that all the way back to Adam. Adam and Eve. We're sinful. We need a savior. And we cannot start to ascend this ladder. We cannot start to build and become until we understand that. It's ground zero. It's our starting point. And it sounds depressing. Oh, but church, it's liberating. When you realize this, when you realize like just left to your own, you're not that good. In fact, there's no good in you. That's a hard truth to hear, but it's freeing when you finally understand it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt because they understand their need for God. That all the rest of this is going to be done by him, not by yourself. That makes sense. Number two, verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is starting off really depressing, Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. So those that are blessed, okay, those that are blessed are those that lose a loved one and cry and weep. Blessed are those who mourn. Is that really what this is talking about? It says they'll be comforted. So, I mean, that's at least a little bit of positive. But blessed are those who mourn. There's one very specific thing that Jesus is calling his hearers, his listeners to mourn. And that is their sin. Now, if you were here either of the last two Sundays, okay? So if you're here either of the last two, you heard Nathan or I explain this. Because if you remember, what was Ezra doing for the last two chapters? Pulling out his hair, tearing his clothes. He was mourning. What was he mourning? What was he weeping over? What was he so sad about? The sins of the people. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who feel the weight of their sin. And you'll see over the next few steps why this is important. Okay, but we're laying this foundation. Those who are spiritually bankrupt, they they know they can do nothing on their own. Blessed are those who, when they do sin, because they will realize there is a great magnitude of importance to see and understand that sin and want to do something about it. Repentance. A lot of times, those who repent from their sin will do so with weeping. That's the type of mourning that Jesus is referring to. I'm bankrupt, I need a savior, but I'm sinful, and that sin has a problem. I'm, I have a problem, but I don't want to stay that way. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted by God. 
when they lay their sin before him. Number three, verse five, blessed are the meek. Just power-packed sermon here, Jesus. You realize the first three things that he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. That's a word we don't use very often, but it says they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. In the Greek, the word meek means gentle, courteous, or considerate. That's what it means. That's the definition. But that word's actually used to describe Jesus. The same Greek word that's translated meek here is translated in Matthew later on as gentle and humble. Matthew 11, verse 29. Take my yoke. This is what Jesus is explaining here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Take my yoke, take my teaching, take my explanation of the word, take it, take it upon yourself and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. That phrase is translated meek here. So Jesus described himself that way. Gentle, humble, that's Jesus. That's what we're called to be. What's also interesting in the first century though is the same word was used to describe a bridled war horse. No one would ever say that a war horse is weak or a pushover. That's just not true. But you put a bridle on that and it is subdued by what? The rider, the Lord, the God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle. And more specifically, I would say blessed are the humble. Now you see how this is building. Poor in spirit, that's humbling. Those who mourn because they have sin, that's humbling. Blessed are those who are humble. They will inherit the earth. The earth will be theirs. This is a temporary, this is a current situation. In the end, yes, the earth is Jesus's and ours to, to play and to frolic. But even now, Psalm 37, verse 11, but the meek will inherit the land. They will enjoy peace and prosperity. Once again, I don't think that prosperity is money. But it's those who are humble those who understand their, their situation, their station in life, those who are humble before God, those are the ones who will inherit to the earth. Those are the ones that God will pour out blessing upon. Verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they're gonna get filled. They're gonna get filled up. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? More of God, more of him. You're humble, you understand your sin and you see that what this world has to offer you is not very valuable, but God is. The sweets of this world, money, sex, and power. There's many others, but most of them fall under one of those three categories. The world seeks to fill themselves up with those things, to have purpose, to feel good. Those things Leave us wanting. We will never be filled by those things. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm just so empty. I'm just so empty. I've got all this stuff. I've got a family. I've got a career. I've got a boat. I've got all this stuff, but it, it doesn't satisfy. I'm just so empty. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who hunger and thirst for God, they will be filled with God. They will be full they will no longer be empty. 
It's a powerful statement. Jesus is starting to lay this out. The next four will be much more practical, but this is the heart foundation. Once again, if, if you're tracking, I hope you're tracking, you're like, all right, how am I doing with Jesus' teachings? Like, am I, am I here? You can start step three. You can, you can start steps that you can start wherever you want, but if you don't come back and undergird, if you don't come back and lay the foundation, it's just not there. The, the project's not complete. So I think these are put in order for a reason. It makes sense this way for, for Jesus to lay it out. So I really do think we need to start self-awareness here. Are, are we there? Are we poor in spirit? Are, are we mourning over our sin? Are we humble before God? Are we wanting him more than anything else in this world? That's how we're going to live for God. That's how we're going to look like God. But he continues. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Have you ever noticed in scripture that many times it states that the way you treat someone else is how God will treat you? There's just another place where Jesus says that. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who show mercy. Why? Because they will be shown mercy. Jesus is going to talk about this again in the same sermon. Matthew chapter 7 verse 2. He's saying, once again, just more application of this. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That is scary for me. Because God is gracious and good and kind, and I am not. And I know someday I have to stand before him, and luckily I have the righteousness of Christ and, and a bunch of other things going for me through Jesus, but it's like, if I'm not capable of showing mercy, if I'm not capable of forgiving, I know, it's not that I won't be forgiven, but I'm going to be judged just as harshly as I judge others. Jesus is starting to unpack now a little bit more of the practical side. So just stop right here, this step. To whom do you need to show mercy? They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. That's why it's called mercy. But is there someone that you need to show mercy to? The measure which we judge others will be measured. That's sobering to me. Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Purity. See, once again, much more applicational. Purity is not something we just attain to or strive for. Purity is something that comes out of our heart. Okay, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Like there's, you're, you're never just going to become more pure one day. Just, oh, I just want to be more pure. Your heart is going to be purified by God. But it's the pure who will see God. Proverbs, no, I'm sorry, Psalm 24, verses 3 through 4. Starts with a question. Who will stand in the holy place? Who will stand in front of God? Who will see God? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands, the outward effect, the purity of a pure heart. That's who will see God. Jesus is reiterating this right here. That's who will see God, the pure in heart. Those who strive for purity. Those who allow God to purify them from the inside out. Are you evaluating where you're at? Are you seeing your need for these things and how they do build upon one another. The last two are pretty difficult. Verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they will be called sons of God. To be called a son of God does refer to relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely relationship. But also to be referred to as a son of God speaks to the characteristics of God. That one didn't fall too far from the tree. You are your father's son. Boy, it sounds just like your daddy. I see that in you all the time, boy. You ever heard those statements? We talk like that. We understand that to be called someone's son means that you're going to look a little bit like them. Well, what does God do incredibly well? He takes those who are far from him and he gives them peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. They are like God. Proverbs 16, verse 7. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, when the Lord sees someone who he delights in, the way they live their life, I I believe predominantly the way they make peace with those around them. When the Lord takes pleasure in that, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. He causes their enemies' hearts to change. When God sees one who lives in such a way as to try and make peace, he actually goes ahead and jumps into that situation and helps it out a little bit. It's very encouraging to me. Blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't say the peace force. It says the peacemakers. Those who walk through this life humble, understanding of their own sin, thirsting for God and nothing else. Those who are showing mercy even when they're not going to get it in return. Those who strive for purity and those who make peace. How we live like God, and look more like him. And then the eighth step, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now I know Jesus is incredible, okay? He's a great teacher. This sermon could have been started a hundred different ways. But he says the top here, the final step in my instruction manual of how to look more like God and and live for him is to consider it a blessing when you're persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The same exact blessing as those who are poor in spirit. Now, someone get ready to call 911. Um, Why in the world would this be a blessing? We read it in the Gospel of John. Do you remember? Do you remember in the Gospel of John when Jesus was talking to his disciples at the very end of his life here on this earth? And it's in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, the world persecutes you. Keep in mind that they hated me first. They hated me first. If you belong to the world, if you looked like the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, though, you do not belong to the world. I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you, because you look like me. Church, I know we don't think this way. I know we don't think this way because we do not live in a country where we're very likely to be persecuted for our faith. But it is a badge of honor. Those who are persecuted for righteousness, for looking like Jesus, for living this way. 
For those who go, you're silly. This is ridiculous. These, these are not characteristics that our world says should be elevated and exalted. They will hate you. Why? Because you look like him. And they don't like him. So it's a badge of honor. Do you see it? Do you see the process here? Do you see the instruction the manual, if you will. Where are you at? Where are you strong? Where are you weak? Which of the Beatitudes would, would you say today, I, I need to take a look at that? You may be the least analytical, the least logical thinker person in this room. The, the person that throws away the instruction book the minute the, the box is open. That may be you. But I'm just gonna throw this out there. You throw it right back if you don't like it, okay? I'm just, just gonna lob this one out there for you. Um, we all should really just start right here. The very bottom. Now, I know some of you are like, well, no, I'm, no, I'm definitely working on being a peacemaker. Like, that's where I'm at. I've got the rest of that. Do you see how the first four of the heart, like if, if you want to live like this, it's going to come from the heart. So the first four of the heart, got to look at your heart. Then it, then it starts to become more applicational. Finally, it's, it's really more identification. It's, it's hard to say, like, just trust me, church. It's hard to say, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get persecuted this week because that's what Jesus said is great. I mean, that's, that's how one will be blessed. They'll, you know, they'll be part of the kingdom of heaven. So that's, that's my goal. No, your goal should be to be humble and the hunger and thirst for him, and to show mercy, to run after purity, to try and make peace as much as it's up to you. You do that, you might one day just be lucky enough to be hated because you look so much like Jesus. The band's gonna come back up here and I'm gonna leave this for a few moments so you can kind of just look at it. But you know, have you ever heard like the, the phrase, it's, if it's in red letters, you should pay attention? Have you ever heard that? These are some of the first red letters of Jesus. He felt this was foundational and this was important. So we probably ought to take it seriously. Not that Ezra is not important, not that Nehemiah is not important, but these are, this is all red letters. Spoken to his 12 followers and some others, but the ones that he was gonna leave the task in their hand after three years of teaching. But this is where he started. This is what he came out of the gate with. So I think we need to pay really close attention, right? To what this says and to where we are and to how we look. So today we're gonna worship and respond like we do all the time. There's communion in the back of the rooms. I'd love for you to take that together as families, whatever that looks like. There's gonna be people up here that would love to pray with you. Just walk and talk through this with you. But I said something like this last week when we were talking about confession. Like this is also a time where as we respond, as we worship and pray, like you can grab someone around you and pray with them. You can grab someone around and start to talk through this. You can, you can grab the person next to you and go, I need to, I need to show you mercy. <laughs> or you know what? I'm so empty right now. I'm so empty because I'm trying to fill my heart and my soul with stuff that will not satisfy. I just want him. And, and it, then I would work backwards from there, going like, I need to humble myself and realize that this, I'm, not, I'm not God, and he is, and that I need to take my sin very seriously, and that I need to realize that without God, I'm not, like, do you see how just all kind of goes together and makes sense? I'm gonna pray for you.
then we're gonna respond. We're gonna love on some Jesus. But I hope you hear his words and you apply them to your life. Father, thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. May we now, Lord, through you, through your righteousness, your ability, your power, may we look more like you. May we live for you. Jesus, teach us. Teach our hearts and our minds. Allow us to respond to you through your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's respond to him.